All right. There's handouts back there in the back in case you didn't get one. They're on the table. If you did get one, good. If you didn't get one, there's plenty of them. Um, we're going to be talking about Abraham tonight. Uh, before we get started in this thing, um, I just want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis um, chapter 12. I'm going to fall back just a little bit to chapter 11. And uh, the Bible says in chapter 11, verse 31, And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them to Ur of the, the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from my father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless him that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Amen. Um, I heard that. <laughs> Sounds like my wife's cell phone. Uh, just check it. Um, we got, uh, Abram was called by God. And when he was called by God, he came out of a godless pagan country. You understand that? He did, he did not grow up in a God-fearing country they were godless. They worshiped the moon and the sun. Uh, it wasn't a godly place. So tonight I want to look at what did Abraham believe? What did Abraham believe? Um, it's been 500 years since the flood. Um, Abraham's family, they were idol worshipers. Idol worship. You know, we always look at Abraham, we think, oh, what a great man. He had great faith. But prior to his great faith, he worshiped idols with his family, okay? Joshua chapter 24, verses 2 and 14. Joshua uh, 24, 2, and Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. <coughs> Excuse me. Joshua is telling the people, listen, Abraham wasn't always a good guy. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but there are times in my life I wasn't a good guy. Okay? I grew up in church, and I always haven't been a good boy. Okay? Sometimes even growing up in church, you can slip and you can move away from God. But Joshua was telling them, listen, they served other gods. Down in uh, verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. So what happened? God called Abram to get his covenant of love, and God told Abram to get out of the pagan land, and Abram was to leave the idols behind. 
Leave that stuff behind. I believe, it's just me, that when you get saved, you should leave the old life behind. Okay? Don't drag it with you. Leave it behind. Move on to something better. All right? And God was going to show him this country. God, hmm, God had something to show Abram. And, and he said, you follow me, and I'm going to show you something better. And, and there God's going to bless him, make him a great nation. He would give him a, a, a land of rest from his enemies. And out of Abraham's seed, not seeds, but from his seed singular, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Thank God he did that, Arlene. I'll tell you what. Four times the Bible says that Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. All right? God says, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And with this statement, God is taking the initiative by offering his robe and his belt to Abram. So we talked about the covenant process on Sunday morning in Sunday school and how he offered a coat, offered a belt, and with the belt came the, the weapons and saying, this is my strength, this is my identity. He offered it to Abraham. In effect, God says, Abram, here's myself. I'm going to give you me. I am your reward. All that I am, I give to you. I am holy. I give you my holiness. I am righteous, I give you my righteousness. I give you my life, I'm pledging to lay it all down on your behalf if you will accept this covenant and enter into it with me. Listen, I don't know about you, but Abraham did not have anything to offer God. Did you have anything to offer God, preacher, when you got saved? I had nothing to offer him. He gave me everything. Everything that I have of any value, I got it from the Lord, Kevin. It came from him, okay? So God is telling, listen, you enter this covenant with me. I got some things to give you, okay? So by splitting the animals down the middle, dividing the halves, God, Abraham knows that God wants to make a covenant. He knows that the blood covenant's the closest, most enduring, and it cannot be broken. Therefore, Abram knows that God is going to keep the covenant, and he doesn't have to. This is one-sided. Do you get that? God makes a covenant with Abraham that is one-sided, and he tells Abraham, I'm going to do all of these things for you. He said, what does that mean to you? I'll tell you what it means to me. After he makes the covenant with God, Abraham does some crazy things that you look back and you say, why did he do that? If he really trusted God, why did he do that? Doesn't matter. God said, I'm going to do this for you. I don't care what you do. I'm going to do these things for you. Do you get that? Listen, when Jesus Christ saved my soul, he saved me knowing what kind of guy I was. He knew what it was, I was going to fall into, but he loved me anyway. And listen, Don't y'all look at me with those eyes of yours saying, I would never do something like that. Because you've probably done the same thing I did. Okay? What's that? Or worse. worse. There you go. (laughs) Listen. Listen. God tells Abram, I am your reward. And he knows this. Okay? Abram sees a manifestation of the glory of God 
And the Almighty cuts covenant with himself, uh, and he stands in for Abram. So if you remember the story in chapter 15, where God says, split the animals down the middle, there's blood everywhere, and Abram's trying to drive off the buzzards, and probably here it'd be eagles, uh, coming down to eat the carcasses, and he's driving them off, and he, he falls asleep in the process, and he sees in a vision a blazing furnace going between the animal pieces, and he says, this must be God. And so God makes the covenant, and Abram doesn't have to do anything. It's a covenant God makes with himself. He makes a covenant with himself. So he stands in for Abram. Now the seal is the scar given as a testimony to the covenant. And the scar that testified to this covenant was circumcision. God gives them, he says, this is how I'll know that your kids keep the covenant. The family is going to maintain the covenant if you carry the seal. Now, if you remember in, in Old Testament times, uh, they didn't all carry the seal, Brother Roy. <laughs> there were times that they didn't do it, and they had to catch up. If you remember when they made it into the promised land, they hadn't been keeping the seal up, and the angel came down and said, you guys are uncircumcised. You better get things cleared up before you go to battle because this seal tells that you're God's person. This covenant's going on. So uh, the scar was there for, for a purpose. Abram's natural descendants would confirm by accepting the covenant and making the seal of circumcision on newborn males. Now, uh, my boys, they got the seal. <laughs> and we did our best to do it in the time frame allotted in the Old Testament. You say, that's crazy. Yeah, call it crazy if you want to, but I believe God blesses you when you do what God says. All right? And if you do it in the time frame God says, I believe there'll be less problems in their lives. Okay? That's just me. That's what I believe. And so we did the same thing. Okay? Now, God, who is called Yahweh in Hebrew, took the H out of his name and put it in the middle of Abram's name. And so we have Abraham. Then they took the H and put it at the end of Sarai's name, and she became Sarah. So Abraham is the person of the covenant, and he has part of God's name in his name. Remember when we were talking about this on Sunday, and me and the, the preacher said, if we would have to exchange names, and I'd put Anania in the middle of Bumgardner, that would be a mess anyway, but we would do it if we were really blood covenant brothers. Um, I did see you got a street kind of sort of named after my daughter-in-law. Her name is Elizabeth Bumgardner. You take the bum out and you got Elizabeth Gardner Street down the road there. Uh, I need to stop by and take a picture of that before I leave. Because, see, this it, it, it changed things. Changing the name means you're part, a covenant partner, a covenant partner. When they change names, say, well, how did God change his name? Uh-huh. God took on Abraham's name and became known as the God of Abraham. 
Remember when a, a covenant's cut, each party completely surrenders himself uh, to the other party, and he's got to be willing to give his total being to the one he's in covenant with, all right? Now, here's the test. There's only one way to find out if Abraham's commitment to the covenant. One test, which is dear to him, his only son. Now, remember when they went up on Mount Moriah, God said, I'm going to show you a place to go to, and I want you to offer your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say in my life when they preach this series and they talk about this, that Abraham suffered greatly knowing that he was going to have to offer his son. But I don't believe that's the fact. Because I believe that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for whatever purpose. You say, why would you, why would you say such a thing? Because back in those days, the country he came from, they practiced child sacrifice serving their gods. And so Abraham's believing, God, if you really want me to kill him, I'll do it. But you're going to have to raise him back up. Because you said, through Isaac shall my seed be called. So I believe Abraham knew that. So this was a, a, a constant thing that they did in those days. So in offering his son, Abraham would prove that he was going to be faithful. He loved God, and he's going to be faithful to the covenant. God was not asking Abram to do anything others would not do for their pagan gods. So Abraham arises early the next morning, began a three-day journey uh, toward a mountain city called Salem, later to be called Jerusalem. On the third day of the journey, God points out Mount Moriah, where Isaac is to be sacrificed. Then Abram places the wood for the burnt offering on his shoulders, and the two of them go on together. Isaac is probably about 33. Now, if you remember on Sunday, I said that uh, I told Kevin, he asked a question, and I said, yeah, I forgot that 10th step. 10th step is where you exchange sons. Abraham's getting ready to exchange his son here. And they put the wood on the back of the son. Hebrews 11, 19 tells us Abraham believed that if God did take Isaac, he would resurrect him to become the firstborn of the covenant children that God promised Abraham. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, I, I read a book by, uh, I gave Brother Roy a copy here of a book called The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread by Richard Booker. Richard Booker also wrote a book on end times. And in this book, he makes a statement that I searched hard and long to find this somewhere else. Because if I find it one place, that's not good enough for me, Marvin. I, I, I want to find it more than one place. And so I was digging and digging, and I dug today, and I found this. And they say that the, the person that was in charge of a city back in Bible times carried the key to the gates. Okay? He said, well, they, did they have keys back? Yeah, they had keys, but those keys were made of wood. They had pegs in them. 
And when you would put it into the lock, like our keys have tumblers on them, these things, these things have little, had little pegs, and they were made for that lock, for that gate, so when you put it in and turned it, it would unlock or lock the gates to the city. But it wasn't like our keys, which are little. I think I've got my keys here with me somewhere. I brought them with me because I'm going to need them when I get off the boat. See these little keys? That's got Tweety Bird on it. It's my wife's. Um, it's the little keys. We understand how they work. They go in, you turn them, and the tumblers work based on this key. Well, back in those days, uh, in Bible times, they had keys, but the keys were huge. And being that they were huge keys, Kevin, they would carry them on their shoulders. Some of y'all kind of get where I'm going with this. Isaiah said in the book of Isaiah, and the government will be on his shoulders. You see, when Jesus, when Jesus went up the hill carrying the cross, the key was on his shoulders. I just wanted to share that with you. This is a, this is a freebie here tonight. Okay, it wasn't part of the thing, but I, I was thinking about it all day, and I wanted to, wanted to touch that. So after this takes place, seven years later, the substitute sacrifice is made. Eleazar, Abraham's servant, looks for a bride for Isaac. Looks for a bride for Isaac. So Isaac needs a bride, okay? So God cut covenant with Abraham. God took Abraham's place in the covenant ceremony. Only God could enter a covenant with God. Abraham did nothing but believe. And he did act on his belief with deeds. So God stepped in for Abraham and walked in his place, representing him in the covenant. So what was it that Abraham believed? Number one, he believed in the supernatural birth. He believed God would supernaturally bring a son into the world. And God did, and Abraham called him Isaac. He believed in a supernatural birth. Anybody here believe in a supernatural birth today? I sure do. Thank God for that. What else did he believe? He believed God enough to offer his only son as a sacrifice, and he did it. He believed for three days that his son was as good as dead, and he was. He believed God would provide a sacrifice substitute or raise his son from the dead with many children coming to him through his son Isaac, and God did. He believed that on that very mountain, God would provide himself the substitute sacrifice. He would be seen on that very mountain. God asks us in the new covenant to believe the same thing that Abraham did. Now, I want to I give you a little heads up because I know you're going to meet us in November in Israel. And we're going to go up to the mountain of Salem. And when you get up on top of the mountain, real close by there, God offered his son. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same location, okay? There is no good work that we can do to earn our way into the covenant. 
We have to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, has entered into a covenant with God the Father on our behalf. Born of a virgin, the seed of a woman, thus not inheriting the sin nature, circumcised on the eighth day to prove he was still honoring the covenant. At the age of 33, after three years of ministering, Jesus began a long climb to the top of the mountain. Amen. And like Abraham, God placed the wood for the burnt offering on his son's shoulders. That wood was the cross. Jesus voluntarily took it. God offered his only son as a burnt offering (laughs) to be a blessing to the world. Where Isaac was not worthy and needed a substitute, Jesus was worthy. Bible says all the fullness of God dwelled in him bodily. God climbed up on the altar of the cross, the same mountain where Isaac was offered, but this time God did not stop the sacrifice because the real substitute was already on the altar. Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, Amen? Yes, and he's come to shed his blood in fulfillment of the covenant. This is the covenant he swore by himself to make from the beginning. As with Abraham, a great darkness fell upon the earth. Genesis 15, 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. So it was with Jesus. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land to the ninth hour. So we're asked to believe that God sent his only son to sacrifice himself as our sin offering substitute. Next, we're asked to believe that after Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights, God the Father resurrected him to be the firstborn of the covenant children of God, and many would come thereafter through Jesus. We even change our name And we call ourselves Christians. Anybody here a Christian tonight? Not afraid to wave your hand in the air? Say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed even. Listen, Jesus is our covenant partner. Seven weeks after his substitutionary death, uh, sacrifice, Holy Spirit comes to begin his work of seeking a bride for Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom, and he seeks you and me for a bride. He's looking for us to be his bride. Amen. I like this. I like it. Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Penalty for sin is death. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It's my blood you must accept on your behalf to become covenant children of God. You'll see this in John 14, 6, Romans 3, 23, and 6, 23. And Jesus said the real children of Abraham do the works of Abraham. Look what he says. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So Jesus said the work of Abraham is that he believed in the witness of his son, okay? This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. We are the real children of Abraham if we believe. You have to believe, okay? It's not good enough that mom believed. 
It's not good enough that dad believed. You have to do it for yourself. If you're here today and you say, hey, listen, I, well, I, I believe all this stuff is good and, and, and all, but I don't know about me. Yeah, you too. You have to believe. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for your sins. Uh-huh. Yeah. When we put on the robe, the Lord Jesus and his righteousness, God looks at us. He doesn't see our sin. He sees us in his son. I remember when I was a kid, we used to have, the, there used to be a TV show. It's a game show called Password. You might remember that show. It's an old, old show. And uh, my mom and dad bought us the game for home when we were kids. It was a Christmas present one year, and uh, we lost all the pieces. But um, what, what you'd get is they give you a little card, and the card had writing on it. And you know what they did? So you couldn't read it, so you couldn't just pick up the card and read it. The writing, the, the, the word was in blue, but the writing on it was in red. So when you looked at it, it looked like a jumbled mess. But they had this little sleeve, and when you put it inside the sleeve, you could read the writing on the card. It was like magic. You know what it was? That little, that little sleeve was red. And when you put the card in, you didn't see the red anymore because the red made it clear. The reds canceled out. All you could see was the blue. Let me tell you something. When God looks through the blood of Jesus at me, he doesn't see any sin. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He don't see the sin anymore. He just sees me. Yeah, he don't see that stuff. So that's the same way when God, when we become children of God by faith in Jesus, it's not evidenced by a circumcision of the flesh, by a circumcision of the heart. This happens when Jesus puts his spirit within us. It's the Holy Spirit within us who is greater than he who is in the world. He's our source of strength. He fights our battles for us. He cleanses us of sin. And when he fills us with his presence, we experience his love, joy, his peace, his power, his grace, and his life flows through us. Amen. I love this. Jesus said, I am come that they can have life and have it more abundantly. He was talking about his life living in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we can do all things through Jesus our Lord who strengthens us. Listen, God desires to count you as righteous just as he did Abraham. He wants to bless you with all spiritual blessings. He wants you to partake of his own divine nature. Listen, but you got to say yes to the covenant. You have to agree to the covenant. You say, what do you mean? Unless you agree to the covenant, it doesn't count for you. All right? You have to agree to it. It's like somebody coming with a banknote and saying, hey, I want to give this to you, but you got to agree to it. Man, I don't know if I agree with that stuff. You bankers, you got way too many rules and regulations. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can agree to that. And I see so, so many people, preacher, that say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really agree with all that stuff. And they'll pick up a piece of literature or something and say, yeah, I don't, I don't believe the way y'all do. I don't believe everything you do. I don't believe, I don't believe that stuff. Listen, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to believe 
He was born of a virgin, died on a cross for your sins, and accept it for yourself. That's how you get to join the family of Jesus Christ. Amen? So when you take Jesus Christ into your life, accepting him as the one that made the covenant, just as Abraham did, when you enter into the covenant, all the promises God made to Abraham become rightfully yours. But you have to enter into the covenant willingly. You got to choose to. It's a choice thing here. I, I know uh, many times in my life I've seen lots of people say, well, you know, I, I, I think I am. I think I'm a Christian. No, you'll, you'll know if you're, if you're a Christian. Uh-huh, yeah. So why is that? Because I remember as a five-year-old boy, I'll take that back, I was six years old, I made a choice to follow Jesus as my Savior. You say, can six-year-olds do that? I don't know. I'm standing up. I'm 63 now. Thank God it still works. I knelt down at an altar at six years old. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she knelt down with me and told me, here's how you get saved, son. And she told me that. And to this day, I remember the spot and the place of the church that we went to at the time. And I could take you back to the exact spot where I knelt down and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and save me. Okay? 60, almost, that'd be 57 years ago. Still works today, all right? If you willingly enter into the covenant, you have to decide if the covenant is right for you. It's your choice. Everybody makes the choice. You got to choose for yourself. This is the covenant that Abraham got into. And I'm glad to say today, Brother Preacher, I've made the same choice. I'm part of the covenant. Are you? Anybody here tonight may not be. Uh, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to have a word of prayer. And uh, if you need to make a decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ, maybe you've never done it. You know, uh, I've seen preachers get up and they'll look over the audience and they'll say, this person's saved, this person's not. Guess what? I don't know if you're saved or not. And, and I don't take a, a fact that you've come to church here all your life that means that you're a Christian. I don't know. Only God knows, okay? So that being the case, I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the pastor to come up and, and close out the service any way he sees fit, okay? Let's pray. Father, We thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the covenant that Abraham entered into. And uh, he entered into it on your behalf because you made the covenant. His son uh, was to be the sacrifice, but it was really your son that was sacrificed. Thank you for Jesus and for what he did on the cross. Father, I pray, Lord, tonight, if somebody here hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior, maybe they'll do it tonight, God. Father, I pray that this uh, time will be a blessing to someone's life. Holy Spirit, have your way in every life tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.